If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 367 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, aka Shawnee Podcast. Joined today by the Tony Kelly of Irish MMA Media, Graham MacDonald, as we talk about a massive, massive, massive night in the world of mixed martial arts. Some are calling it card of the year. It's right up there, without a shadow of a doubt, but we will get into all of that over the next hour or so here on the Severe MMA Podcast. But before we start talking about MMA, we must tell you that this beautiful podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Manscaped. And gentlemen, Father's Day is just around the corner, and our friends at Manscaped are here to ensure that father figures out there are looking daddy material this June. Manscaped's Performance Package 4.0, which includes their Signature Lawnmower 4.0 is the perfect bundle to tackle any and all old man hair from head to toe. This right here is no dad joke. Treat him and yourself and join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Trust me, this dad bod will thank you. Manscaped is designed with Father's Day in mind. The performance package 4.0 is absolutely perfect for everything your dad needs. First of all, it includes the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Also includes the weed whacker for the ear and nose hair across preserver and crop reviver as well to get you smelling good at the boxer briefs and in the travel bag as well that um lawnmower 4.0 let me tell you about that is the advanced skin safe technology 400k led light for a more precise shave as well does your dad use the same trimmer for his body and face let's throw that out the window and get him the upgrade he needs uh, Manscaped have also locked, uh, launched their Boxers 2.0 that dare I say it, they're the best boxers ever, we all know dads love their comfort, with summer just around the corner, the Boxers 2.0 are here to save every father from the uncomfortable heat these new boxers are packed with revolutionary uh, features including the jewel pouch uh, designed to cradle the boys in their special place um whether it's mowing the lawn, taking out the trash, golfing in the sun, these are absolutely perfect. These boxers are great, with, and they they, uh, they they breathe without breaking a sweat. Dads, buy this for yourself. Sundays, sons, buy this for your dad. Ladies, buy this for your man. And doggy daddies, you deserve this too. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMANSCAPED.COM. That's 20% off at manscaped.com with free shipping. Use the code SEVEREMANSCAPED. Shake what your mama gave you. Nah, shake what your daddy gave you. Right, Graham, let's get straight into UFC 275. No messing about today. Uh, what a what a card overall, I suppose. First, the 
the two title fights, I was really excited to see Valentina, as we talked about last week. I was really excited for the main event. Really excited as well for Yanni and Jacek against Zhang Weili. And I think somehow, especially especially the top two anyway, they went over and above my expectations. The Zhang Weili and Jacek fight was brilliant until we were, it was kind of rudely taken away from us, I feel like. Jake matched <laughs> on one of the the greatest performance of his career and destroyed Andre Filo. We'll get to that. Jack Della Medlina put himself out there. We'll get to the undercard and we'll talk about all of that. But there was there was just some really good fights. Even the opener tonight went to unanimous decision. But I enjoyed that. I think it was a very, very good fight. It was big knockouts. Like people just like taken out of their consciousness. Late finishes. The whole lot. This, this card kind of... It had it all, and for the old, uh, you know, the old grey MMA fans like us, Graham, it was a pretty good one to watch. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, the the top fights really lived up to it. Um, I think as you as we talked about on the podcast, and you guys talked about on the preview show, it was definitely a very interesting. Kind of a lot of opinions on which way it was going to go. A lot, a lot of methods of victory for. Uh, that potentially, and you know, I think we saw a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, those methods of victory nearly play out in these fights. And um, you mentioned the Ioanni and Jacek fight there, kind of ending abruptly. That was just it was it was weird to see Ioanna just kind of lie on her face there. Uh, it was really kind of seems like you know I know she laid her gloves down, but afterwards, but it seems like a changing in the guard. And even though I suspect she'll she'll be back soon enough, uh, it did seem like you know the the old guard kind of being defeated kind of comprehensively once and for all but uh, you know it wasn't really comprehensive in the main event but I suppose the old guard was defeated as well and you know the old guard was nearly defeated in the co-main event so there was a lot of ups and downs and back and forward and you know crazy crazy fights here so I don't think anybody could have watched this and been disappointed Indeed, 100%, yeah. Uh, do you know what? I, I think we'll start off with the Valentina Shevchenko uh, fight against Talia Santos because that, that was... Uh, it it might not have been the best fight of the night, but it was so fucking intriguing yeah. and it held the you... Jeopardy and... Uh, <laughs> yeah. the, uh, I, I was just like... I don't know what you think about it, but I think Shevchenko just did everything she possibly could to throw away that fight. 100%. Just, yeah. just unbelievable. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, what is she doing? It was just like... It's just unbelievable what she was doing. <laughs> she was initiating all the clinches, going for takedowns, getting reversed. Just, just terrible fight IQ for somebody so good. And when she did have it on the feet, she was dominating so easily. And you know, she needed a bit of luck. Even that, like headbutt that closed the eye, I think was a was a big moment in the in in the fight. And she was very, very lucky to get away with her belt. She yeah she she was to be fair even though I scored at forty nine forty six versus Shevchenko but that's kind of yeah, beside the point yeah is. me too I, uh, I think it was the, sec- the second round only that I gave to um to Italia, oh, but I I've strong feelings in that second round the third, oh, the third, oh yeah that's okay third, the, third, yeah. I get for the first yeah. to be honest but. It, it did you did you notice that Valentina looked a bit off coming to the cage? I thought she looked very weird. She looked nervous and she had a big red nose on her. And I know it seemed very odd. I saw in the post fight press conference she talked about she came in with a foot injury. Maybe that's part of it. But she also talked about when she walked to the cage, she only weighed weighed one hundred and thirty pounds, which for a hundred and twenty five pound fight is is pretty unheard of. Now she's not the biggest flyweight in the world, and uh, as the, my guy David Bixon's band pointed out to 
me she's come in underweight when she's fought at 135 before. But still and all, you would think, you, you know, you would think someone who was probably cutting a little bit of weight to get down to 125 would put on more than five pounds. And she, she, the way she said it as well, she was talking about like, oh, we've kind of, because it's a different time zone after there, you cut weight and then you actually, I think they had two nights of sleep before they got up to fight at like six o'clock in the morning over in Singapore. So I don't know, was that part of it? But make make no excuses. It was the same for, for Talia Sanders. But she did look a little bit off. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, it came out again later on that there was something just not uh, right with her. If it was even not something physical or not, she was sick or anything like that. Maybe it was something mental, but she just didn't look on it from second one. And you know the biggest thing? You said, you know, she tried to do everything wrong. The first shot she really threw or the first like big explosion she went she went like a jumping superman punch right into the straight right hand of santos which is her best shot and her only method of victory it was like she was trying to get hit there early in the, with that shot and it was it was kind of bizarre it was like it was even it was like it was yeah. like she was doing what john jones has done in the past she was yeah. trying to beat her at her own game and show that she's better everywhere but it just clearly wasn't working and nearly caused her to fight and you know uh I don't think that was, I don't like, it looked like it was a John Jones thing, but I don't think it, I, I don't think that was the plan. I think, she, I think she thought she was, she was going to have an advantage there and Santos just ended up being way stronger than her in the clinch in the wrestling. But I don't know why she kept going back to it. Even, even though her corner told her not to, she, she just insisted on going back to, to the grappling realm. And, you know, uh, on another day with, with that tactic, you know, She'd probably lose more times than she'd win, but she got away lucky. Maybe the, you know, that headbutt was. I think that headbutt was huge. To be honest, I don't know what you thought about that. Yeah, uh, not headbutt, but head clash. Head clash. Yeah, look, when when it causes that much damage, like I think. I think the, the doctor should have been called in to look at that eye. It was so badly closed and it was affecting her so much. And I didn't, maybe they did it between rounds. I actually didn't notice. I'm probably looking at my phone and doing different things. But uh, and she took the, a couple of more little clashes on her head or yeah. that eye again. When your eyes already damaged like that and you're you're taking another couple of head clashes, it's it's obviously yeah. not ideal in any way. It, it can I like I myself and Ian went back and we watched the uh, Yinjechek Zhang Weili first fight and a similar thing happened. You know there was uh, a clash of heads and Yuan Yinjechek's head was ballooned up and that those things they do change a fight even if they're unintentional and you know you're not no one would be asking for a point to be taken or anything like that but it absolutely because if you look at the last two rounds and I'm sure we'll go through the scoring here in a second but no one denies I think round four and round five Valentina Shevchenko won it so all it takes at that point is for her to have kind of stolen one of the close first three rounds or to have won one of the first three rounds um and, you know, that's obviously the way it, it turned out, although one judge had her 49-46 as well. But it, it definitely did. It, it, that closed eye, she was like the, the the grappling exchanges that were going against her earlier in the fight were going for her. Now, that was a massive part of it, the head clash. But I also think maybe, you know, being used to being in five rounds, being, you know, the, the old dog for the hard rows, as we'll say, even, uh, even uh, it reminds me of the Monster Final last week, you know, went to a draw and cleared it really well. And then Limerick took over in extra time because they're used to being there. They've gone to extra time, you know, in an All-Ireland semi-final against Cork and they know they can win. It felt like, you know, 
not. She knew that she had to to win that in the last two rounds, and she did. And she even said it herself afterwards in the in the press conference. She was like, uh, "The Astro with all the judges and the scorecard on." She said, "I know if I fight for every second and keep going and fight to my utmost for every second that I fight that I'm going to win." <clears throat> and it's a good way of looking at it. Like you, that's the way all fighters probably should be looking at it. And that won her the fight in the end. Um, and it was. Look, it was a terrible performance from Valentin Nishashenko. Let, let's be honest here. The, the fight started off, I thought it was even close on the feet, to be honest. Um, and then uh, Santos got the body triangle and a few neck cranks uh, to uh, to end that first round. Big clinch in the second round, a big takedown from Santos. And she had, uh, I think it was three minutes and 35 seconds of top control, they said, on the broadcast. But she did nothing with it, for my money. Um, you only, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Valentin Nishashenko almost got a go-go plata. She landed a few punches Jason Herzog ended, st- ended up standing him up so that kind of tells you what she did on the ground and then Valentina won the last few seconds on the feet again um the round three then I thought Valentina was winning early but not much in it there was a late takedown from Talia Santos rear naked choke attempts but I didn't think any of them were close even though the crowd were going mad the commentary were going mad and everything like that to me they weren't that close and in round four and five you know Shevchenko got on top and I don't think there's any dispute in either of those t- two rounds Did, do you think I called the first three rounds fair enough there Graham like it, it felt like everyone was calling not necessarily calling a robbery but there was a, they were maybe giving Santos uh, too much scoring credit. She deserved all the credit in the world in terms of the tactics and in terms of what she produced. And the fight she put up, yeah. yeah. I think it's one of those things where we've talked about it before, maybe not in a while, but where the champ didn't, a lot more is expected of the champion and when somebody's a big favourite and expected to win and a long-time champion, when they do meet a bit of kind of unexpected resistance, people people tend to kind of uh, over-tally that in their, in their scoring and I think I think I agree with you. I think it was a third round. Yeah, it was a third round I gave to Santos and the rest of them I gave to Shevchenko. But, you know, there was some close rounds early on that, you know, could have went either way if she had have kind of postured up and landed some bigger shots or anything like that. But she didn't. And I think the shots Shevchenko landed were enough. And Shevchenko even kind of, you know, out small punched her from the ground uh, at stages as well. Even when she had her back taken, she was kind of landing the better punches in kind of awkwardly over her own shoulder. So... So, yeah, I think, you know, uh, I criticize Shevchenko for her performance and uh, I, I stand by that, but I think she did she did enough, like, in the, those rounds, but she did just enough, and if the judges had gone the other way, I don't think she, she could have had too many complaints. Yeah, look, it, it was exactly what you said there, you know, the Gustafson John Jones fight, where a lot of people maybe overestimated Gustafson, or, you know, Manny Nunes had a couple of those fights as well with, with Shevchenko and Jennifer, Mo- or uh, with, um, not Shevchenko, with uh, Spencer, and, and um, uh, who's the other one? Jennifer Maya, was it as well? Uh, or maybe was it Shevchenko with Jennifer? I don't know, anyway, but a few of them fights have happened before, and it, it does tend to happen like that, but that's a little bit unfair, I think, on Santos. Um, and that, you know, judging shouldn't be really the, the chat here for this fight because it was such a such an interesting kind of malaise of tactics and mistakes and, you know, good portions of the fight. Like, I think you hit the nail on the head there as well by saying if Santos had kind of 
landed more and done more in those areas, she could have won the fight and she probably would have won the fight. Now, there, there were certain times she didn't get that long, you know, on the ground or she didn't get that long to uh, to land the shots. You know, when you're fighting someone like Valentina Shashinko as well, you need to secure that position. You need to hold her down. And, you know, it's it's not as if you can just hold her down and start landing shots. Like, Valentina Shashinko is going to get up if, uh, if you do too much of that. So I can absolutely understand why why Santos did it, but the the biggest the biggest thing I think to take out of this, or to, the biggest question to ask coming out of this, is is this the end of Valentina Shashinko? And that's that might be a weird thing to say, but but is it just a bad night? And we said the exact same thing with Amanda Nunes, and she ended up losing obviously to Juliana Pena. But it's a massive time, it's such a very interesting time for women's MMA in these divisions. And I said it in the preview show coming in that. Valentina Shashinko, like everyone else, she will have her day. And I was like, well, mine be this weekend. But do you know what? It nearly fucking was this weekend. It nearly was. And it was someone who, uh, you know, a lot of people coming in talking about her as a striker. And, and she'd only three submission wins in her on her ledger. And I went back and I watched some of her fights. And I was like, this girl, she's she's not really a striker. No, she's more of a grappler. She she's more of like a she's good jujitsu. She's good control when the fight gets to the ground. And Shevchenko kind of, as you said, going into that realm and fighting in that way and trying to get her to the ground. She even, like at one stage it was like she was pulling guard a little bit to get the fight to the ground and and Santos was landing on top and it was like, what are you doing here? Why are you doing this? And, you know, Santos took full advantage of it in terms of, she didn't freeze she didn't panic when she got on top and she you know maybe that lack of panic actually kind of worked against her a little bit but it was a fantastic effort from Santos like someone who goes in there against Marada Barello and she was outworked in that one she was beaten in the clinch in that one she was taken down uh, in that one and you know we've seen her taken down the likes of Molly McCann and others and um, uh, Joanne Wood as well in her last fight and and winning those fights but I didn't think she'd be able to do it against Valentina Shashinko but I was I was absolutely wrong and she did it very very well but yeah I, I think uh, look I still think the right person won but it's a fight I would like to see a rematch of because I think the rematch proves two things. And, you know, people will probably say, well, you went on a rant last week about not having immediate rematches. But when it was a fight like this, and in a division like this where there's really no other challenger, and someone puts on such a fight against Valentina Shevchenko, she's the only one to me that makes sense if you're to do another fight at 125. Now, there's probably fights at 135, and title fights at 135 for Shevchenko, but at 125... I, I think this is the fight to, to make again. What are your thoughts on that? Like, yeah. Valentina I, going forward? I think I think it is the fight to make again uh, straight away, even though, like, you know, a lot of immediate rematches can get annoying. But I think this one is deserved, you know. As I mentioned, that that head that head clash causing that big swelling and closing the eye, you know, it's very unfortunate. And even, even with that, she still put up a great fight uh, with the injured eye. So I do think she deserves it. And um, I would like to see the fight again. I do think it's the fight to make. For Valentina, I think, you know, there's so many little decisions she could have made to make the fight so much easier for herself and she could have kind of walked it um, or or at least, you know, had it a lot more comfortable than she did. So if they were to rematch, I'd expect her coaches to be drilling her for the, night, for the, the eight-week camp on staying away from the clinch and, you know, uh, not trying to prove it there and, kind of succumbing under the strength of Santos. I think she just got out muscled and out strengthened in, in a lot of positions and um maybe was a bit pig headed and trying to 
even at the end of the fifth round, she she got a takedown when she kind of didn't need to and risked kind of getting, you know, reversed in a scramble like she had been before or just kind of re- reversed uh, on the ground. So, yeah, I think with the correct game plan going in there, she should have it quite comfortable. But, you know, maybe it is a case of uh, she's, her heart isn't in it as much or maybe it is a case that she was injured or something was going on in her personal life and things like that or just a bad day at the office. You know, sometimes... These guys, you know, everything doesn't click. Everything kind of goes a bit wrong and things like that. I, I don't necessarily see it in this one. Maybe in the in the camp more than in the actual fight. I think the fight was more her fault uh, that it was so close. But uh, yeah, no, I'd love to see the rematch. Yeah, I I agree with it, with everything you said there. Like we we uh, that's one part of the, the MMA game that we're never privy to. We don't know what's going on in, in the camp. You know, there's only a select few people in the world that knowing what's going on in our camp and like the, the world is still kind of you know open arms as well in, in terms of all different things and where you can go to train and what you can do so as someone uh, I, I heard that the last even with the, the perfect camp you know even when you're perfectly yeah. fit like a, a Messi over the years or Ronaldo any of these guys can have a really bad day they can miss a penalty and miss a sitter and you know score an own goal or whatever you know it's you, you can still be at your peak uh, the best in the world and have a bad day or you know, not the greatest day. Yeah, look, look at Liverpool. Like they had three uh, finals this <laughs> yeah. year and didn't score one oh, goal. Sweet. So that's pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, that well, was great. That's pretty poor. Now, <laughs> in fairness, though, you managed to win two cups and you didn't score one goal in the final. So that's a fair achievement. Well done. Congratulations. I scored, scored plenty of penalties. Yeah, huh? the, whole, the, whole, the whole eleven scored penalties. Oh, congratulations! You can uh, when no when no one's defending. You're great. You'd be a great golf player, wouldn't you? you go join up with some golf tour there. You'd be fine. Living in the but, past. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, we'll move on. We we'll move on. Any, any final thoughts on that? If it, it feels like. It feels like that is a fight that is unfinished. It, it feels like <laughs> it's it's unfinished. But even if it doesn't happen again, it it feels like it's like a pause point in Valentina Shashenko's career. A little bit like Amanda Nunes as well. It's like we have to see her next fight to fully analyze that fight. If that makes sense, like was it an off night or was it not an off night? Was it a changing? Of Valentina Shashenko's whole career because and, and, you know I think as well and I mentioned this in one of the preview shows like Valentina has been talking about 135 she's ta- been talking about Pena she's actually looking at Misha Tate as well she mentioned it last night who's coming down to 125 uh, like was she overlooking Santos was this one of these fights oh look I just have to get this out of the way and then I have bigger fights ahead and I have more money coming it could have been that yeah, it could have be. been that but we will only know that next time out but having said that taking absolutely nothing away from uh, from Talia Santos she did uh, she did very very well just before we move on I suppose on, on, look on quickly on the judging um, the first three rounds were close so I think anything from uh, uh, people probably give out to me for this now but I think anything from 50-45 to Shevchenko to 48-47 for Santos is a good card honestly because if you look at it Graham you get for the third I get for the first like if we, we both got that wrong then Shevchenko wins both of those rounds it's 50-45 so it's it is one of those cards I, I, I have absolutely no debate with you at all if you think Santos won that fight 48-47 although that second round if you're giving that mm. to Santos, you're doing it wrong, I think, because she didn't. Yeah, no, I, I, that think, I think it actually is. A, I think it is a wrong scorecard to give it to Santos. Yeah, I, I think Shevchenko did do enough. I, I think that, as I mentioned, that kind of expectancy bias, nearly probably the best way to call it, of the champion, probably played into the scorecards that went 
that went uh, against Yushchenko. But you know, if, if you missed or if a judge was like on the wrong side or missed a couple of missed a couple of shots here and there, then it's understandable. But yeah, I think watching it back uh, carefully, you'd you'd have to score for Shushenko. I think expectancy bias is a new fucking phrase that you've just coined, and that we're going to use forever in mixed martial arts. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not even going to lie. Like the champion coming in, expected to blow away the challenger, and then the challenger does well. And everyone scores the fight for the challenger, even though <laughs> the champion won three or four or maybe five rounds of the fight. Makes perfect sense. And that's exactly, I think, what we had here. While at the same time, let's say it again, very good performance from Santos. Before we get, Graham, to the to the main event, I, I want to talk about Yuan Jacek against uh, Zhang Weili. What, what an interesting fight this was. We had a lot more grappling in round one from Zhang. You know, she actually pulled guard here as well. Uh, at one stage and Joanna tried to get on top almost got on top but Yang was just too too strong for her but Joanna I, you know I, co- I compared her to Jose Aldo this week and called her the kind of the female Jose Aldo and when she got taken down I, I kind of reminded myself of why I said that she just never stopped fighting on the ground she refused to be taken down or to, to stay down she was taken down but she refused to stay down and she ended up getting back up every single time and now Zhang won that first round really well and she landed a lot of elbows as well it wasn't the furthest round in the world from a 10-8 but I think 10-9 was definitely the right score she landed some beautiful stuff but Joanna was landing as well second round Yinjeche uh, comes out and she's fighting Southpaw and myself and Ian did the rewatch this week and Harry did a great job on one man boot as well uh, breaking down the whole fight but she came out fought Southpaw and it was one of those rounds where she didn't maybe have enough time after she adjusted to show the success but I thought she was doing okay with it she was landing a couple of jabs I think Zhang really uh, cottoned on to the southpaw stands this time quicker than she did the last time because she struggled badly with it the last time but she stayed very defensive here I think when she did it but took her opportunities when the fight got inside or when you know the the, the stance no longer mattered when they were too close to each other and then we all saw what happened I see it here in topology, spinning back fist. This wasn't a spinning back fist. This was a spinning forearm right to the ear. Caught Yuani and Jacek right behind the ear and just face planted her on the ground. It was one of those ones, I think she said afterwards that she could see it happening and she could kind of feel the shot landing. And it wasn't one that maybe knocked her out or hurt her massively, but just took away her senses and put her on the ground. And she just put her... Uh, into a state where she could not move and it looked like that you know going back watching it again it absolutely looked like that but this like their first fight for every second of it was was just unmissable like even when the fight hit the ground and Zhang was maybe landing shots on top Yin Jacek was fighting all the time there wasn't there was there was probably a good few seconds where Zhang looked oh she's going to get the finish here but in Yin Jacek's just inability to give up she just re- would not realize a loss for herself in that first round and most people would and she kept going and that made that fight there so exciting on the feet they were just throwing fucking leather it was it was brilliant and in the second round we got a brilliant knockout but i just wanted more i felt like we needed more and we, we uh we unfortunately didn't get it but what a fight graham i really enjoyed it i think you took away from it yeah i think it's one of those fights. i think i said it before the the fight it was one of those fights that if it was going to go three rounds you were going to want two more rounds so it was going to seem it was going to seem incomplete either way, and even though it was a, a beautiful uh, finish by Yang, it did it did kind of get it was a little bit disappointing. Maybe that's a bit of 
bit of uh, fondness for Joanna and what she's done in the past. But, you know, as you said, she gave it her all. She came through adversity. Uh, Yang put on a brilliant uh, performance in the first round. Um, probably took Joanna by surprise a bit how much she relied on the, the grappling. But Joanna fought through a couple of bad positions. She ate a couple of shots, a couple of big shots uh, and fought through. And it seemed like the tide was a little, kind of coming her way a little bit. It didn't seem like Yang was out of, Yang was out of it, but it, it did seem like Joanna was coming into it more. And then just as that was happening, you know, the, the, the KO happened or the TKO happened. And uh, yeah, I think it was, it, it, the commentators were kind of saying, oh, she was KO'd. But I, I do I do agree that she was just kind of... Did, Maybe her equilibrium was gone for a second because she seemed seemed all right. Pretty a couple of seconds later, when the camera cut back to her, so it it was a really good performance from Yang. But it did seem, like I said earlier, like Joanna. Um, uh, maybe the, it was a bit of a changing in the guard that even when she's kind of you know giving it her all, it's just just isn't enough anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know. Would I would I one hundred percent agree with that? But you you might be right, and you know the fact. Uh, she did retire afterwards. If she does stay retired, then you're absolutely yeah. correct. That's it. <laughs> yeah, she, although I, I saw Sean Dinny talking today, and you know, obviously our Polish expert here in Severe May, and he's saying like the amount of work she can get in Poland and the amount of different things she would be able to do there that will, uh, you know, she won't be getting punched in the face doing it is is probably a lot bigger than than we know. So. You know, she seems like she wasn't too bothered about fighting over the last couple of years. She's a lot of opportunities outside of the cage. So maybe it is. Maybe it is one of those ones where, you know, uh, the, the biggest reason a lot of people retire is be- or don't re- or say retire and come back is because they don't have maybe those opportunities outside of the cage and they don't know what to do after fighting. And it looks like Joanna does have that. So maybe that's a reason for it. And she is, look, she is getting older as well, as she said herself, and she's been around for a long time. It's not just her MMA fights, but she's been fighting Mai Tai, you know, fighting the likes of Valentina Shashinko and Mai Tai since she was fucking 19 years of age or whatever it is. That's a long road. That is a long road and you wouldn't you wouldn't blame her now having said that you know I, I think she'd be back and you think she'd be back and we all probably think she'd be back but um if it is the if it is this what a what a career it's been for you Annie and Jacek I, I always feel a bit weird when people are calling her the uh the greatest of all time at the weight class when Rosalam Yunus has knocked her out and then beat her the second time as well and then Zhang Wei Li has beaten her twice as well yeah, I think she used to be, but obviously, though, yeah. kind of as I said, the game has kind of caught up with her and bypassed her a little bit. It has, although, although, yeah, I think the adjustments in the last fight against Zhang were were pretty good. She needed to move on and make more in this fight, and she definitely didn't. I don't think, and I think that's the biggest reason she lost. Like she needed to be more varied with her strikes. She needed to do lots of different things. She needed to change the southpaw more and quicker, and she didn't do it, and that's the reason why she lost this fight. You know, um, Zhang was landing first, whether it was landing a takedown or it was landing the big shot, and that was the key to this fight. And, you know, she, she that was the reason she lost. Even though she did perform well and she did, you know, she fought for every second of the fight and she landed her shots when she needed to land it. Yeah, just... It it does feel like the game has passed her by a little bit, you know. I I compare her to Aldo, and that was something that happened to Aldo briefly, but then he always kind of dragged it back, you know. And he's kind of still doing that at the moment, and it feels like maybe that's a thing that Injecic hasn't been able to, to do in in her career, and maybe won't get a a chance to do now. But um, 
you know, we, it's another one we should probably put a date in our calendar. Uh, you know, a year down the line, we'll actually talk about her retirement and what a what a great fighter she was. But uh, great fighter, regardless. But Zhang Weili now moves on and, and fights um, Carla Esparza more than likely for the title. Although Spencer Kite will probably go mad and think it'll be uh, Rodriguez, wherever it might be. But um, yeah, I, I think uh, putting Zhang Weili back into that title fight and having her beat Carla Esparza is probably the way to go here. And I think. I think that's a horrible, horrible matchup for Carla Esparza, if we're being honest, because she's good grappling yeah. and it's going to beat her on the feet. Yeah, maybe the like, retirement thing for me, Joanna, it is a hard one to take, as we mentioned before the, the fight. You know, it kind of was a fight. Both of these girls would be looking at this fight saying, if I win this, I have Carla Esparza, and I'd be pretty confident, very confident in winning that fight and being the champion. So for Joanna, it was a big blow, you know, it probably meant a lot to her. She kind of knew, knew this was her chance to get back to the top and obviously it went against her and it, it's emotional and all that stuff and laying your gloves out. But, you know, she's only 34 years old. I know she's been around a long time, but uh, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if we don't see her again, really, to be honest. Yeah, I, and I hope we do too. I think she's she's lots to still fight. Another person I hope we see again is Glover Teixeira and this main event... Oh, I was. I, 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 do you know what? I left it till the third fight because I needed a little bit of time to breathe after it. Still, I'm still, <laughs> I'm still hyped. The fight happened what about seven or eight hours ago, but I'm still hyped over what a, what a massive back and forth. I, I, I've written a few notes here, but still, I, I don't, I don't know. Is there any point to reading out these, these notes? It was just. Glover was winning and in year he was winning and year he had him hurt looked like it was going to be finished but then Glover came back had him hurt looked like he was going to finish it, it just over and over and it reminded me of the, the Zhang Weili and Yuani and Jacek first fight it was just such ebbs and flows it was a very hard fight if you're to talk about it technically or tactically throughout the fight it, it felt like tactics were all thrown out the window after the first round you know Glover got a takedown landed some good uh, ground and pound landed some good right hands on the feet as well he had the mount uh he, he had lots of shots and then Yuri Prochka came back and you know nearly stole around towards the end with lots of shots but I thought Glover won that one the second round Yuri was absolutely smashing him but then there was heavy ground upon for Glover to share a late landed some big elbows and I thought Glover won that round because of that as well then the third round Yuri hurt him many times over and over and over Glover got a late takedown again but he was tired I thought Yuri won that round the third round Yuri was a bit ahead not too much but then Glover got on top Almost got that arm triangle, but then there was massive ground pound late for Yeary. Was it enough? Maybe, maybe not. A really close round in the fifth. Glover nearly KO'd him early about three times. Yeah, nearly pulled the guillotine. Oh, went for that guillotine. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I actually couldn't he believe went, it. He went full France Malambo. What did you think of that fifth round? Oh God! I, I, I like it was back and forth, and it looked like your guys are going to be finished like throughout the rounds. But in the fifth round, it really looked like oh, this is it. Glover has him here, and then he went for that guillotine. It just wasn't on at all. Slippy, bloody, just a really bad decision from such an experienced guy. And obviously, they're both tired, and you know they've taken a lot of shots. They're both probably concussed, but. If he just had a thrown a flurry there, I think maybe the the ref would have stepped in, or he would have been able to to crumple uh, Proch in his corner. So, uh, for Glover, I'd say I look back at that moment and be sickened. Uh, but you know, maybe maybe Yuri could have could have held down both guys. Looked like at different stages, like it might be the beginning of the end, and it wasn't. So, you know, fair play to him in a lot of ways as well. You know, he 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 was just as he was just as much. Uh, uh, came overcame just as much adversity and dished out just as much, if not more, damage. So it was an absolutely brilliant fight. I think you know for for Glover, I think that 
that moment going for that guillotine was what cost him. I think if he, even if he had have uh, just won that round, I think he probably would have won the fight. But you know, there were so so many close rounds, and it was hard to score because there was so much going on. Uh, I can't even remember half of the stuff because there was there were so many huge incidents in the fight. But uh, I think yeah, that was a big mistake that you know he'll live to regret. But you know, uh, Yuri did did brilliant, and you know, uh, he's he's had a r- ridiculous, the uh, ridiculously quick rise to the top, and you know, fair play to him. We've we've seen uh, others crumple under the under the same kind of pressure that Texera had on him there. So, yeah, just just an absolutely brilliant fight. I, I'd have to go back and watch it a few times to to rem- to realize and remember exactly what happened in in all of those exchanges because so much was going on absolutely brilliant yeah it was it was a magnificent fight like right up there with Alexander Gustafsson John Jones is the greatest one of the greatest light everywhere fights of all time and it was it was arguably more kind of back and forth throughout the rounds like that fight you know Gustafsson the great for round and Jones the great for round and there were obviously some close rounds as well but it felt like this was a different level of kind of back and forth and it was it was so exciting and I, I actually thought Yuri early maybe didn't fight his natural game he looked a bit wooden you know and it's it's easy to look wooden I suppose when you're as languid and loose a fighter normally as Yuri Prohachka is but uh, Glover really really you know took that uh, and and use it to his advantage you know and I, I think maybe a part of that and we always talk about it Graham is not giving up on those takedowns you know going for a takedown getting a takedown and then you make your opponent think about that takedown for the rest of the fight and if your opponent is a guy who moves around and non-stop on the feet that's a t- having someone like that thinking of something apart from their own movement is massive and is a game changer in the whole fight, and I, d- I think that's exactly what it was for Glover to, Glover Teixeira early in this. Um, but I just, I just think the level of damage that both guys landed and that both guys took and that both guys got through was insane. It was absolutely insane. Like there was multiple times where the fight was on the ground and it felt like there was heads bouncing off the canvas with ground and Multiple bounce. times each round even. <laughs> yeah, multiple times each round. Exactly. It was crazy. I don't I don't think I've ever seen a fight like that where there were so many near-ending points in the fight for both people. You've seen it, you know, maybe a 10-7 round or Weidman versus Rockhold or something like that. But when it's both guys doing it over five rounds... That it has to be up there as one of the, the greatest fights of all time. It was it was just insane. And it, it was a weird thing. It's a fight I think actually better on rewatch because watching it at the time, I just kept thinking the fight's going to be finished, if you get me. I, I, it didn't really even enter my head that it was going to go all five rounds. So maybe I didn't respect it for like the the back and forth in terms of where the yeah. next piece And when it's such a back and forth and so exciting, it's hard to think about judging the fight. You just kind of get drawn in and you're you know it's just it's just uh it's hard to kind of take back and kind of analytically look at it and say oh who's landing you're just kind of like oh my god oh what's going to happen next you know it's a real kind of roller coaster and kind of takes your mind off the the scoring of the rounds yeah 100 percent. obviously we, we didn't mention the finish but yuri prohachka ended up obviously getting the the what do you call it a bulldog choke rear naked choke uh no at the end of the fight yeah or, no yeah. hooks rear naked choke dave Fogarty style and and getting the finish what did what did you think of my fake tap Graham 
What did, did you see that video I said that? I think if if it was in a position where there was a submission on, he he was definitely like the the ref probably would have called it. But I think the ref kind of knew that he was just kind of you know the kind of shitty chails on him, ground and pound yeah. punches. I think he was just trying to do that, but it's a risky thing, you know. If Glover had had some kind of like half arm triangle, maybe the ref would have thought, "Oh yeah, that's a tap." But because there was no, there was no kind of uh, obvious submission on. I think, I think Goddard knew that uh, that he was just landing little crappy shots from the bottom. Yeah, apparently he did it throughout the fight as well. Now the lads were saying it over a group, and I actually think Goddard did warn him at one stage uh, between rounds. So fair play to him, but he. He kind of kept doing it. And that's, that's the sort of things I've, people didn't see. It. Uh, Glover was, what was he in Mount? He was on top anyway. And then Prohaska kind of tapped his head. But he, like, he put him off his punches. And then Glover kind of moved as well. Like it's one of those things where if you're the fighter on the end of that, ta- you know, tap or f- small punches or whatever, that you're going to move kind of naturally. And it's going to give the guy in the bottom the advantage. And it's going to give him a second to, to get out or whatever. And I, I think that's a dirty tactic. And it, I see a lot of people who we see Brazilian taps all the time. And I think that was a very... You know, a very bad example of it to be honest. But anyway, maybe, maybe that's just me, and maybe I'm Brazilian top. Like, Brazilian top is very different is, to that. Yeah, it's more yeah when you're in One a tap, in yeah. a submission and yeah. you're trying to kind of get the natural reaction from the jiu-jitsu training of the guy letting go when he feels the top, but the ref not seeing it. But I think this is more like you know the Chael Sonnen thing, or even more like the the Randy Couture. I can't remember who it was, but he like. Uh, like tapped him on the ass at one stage, not in the submission. James Sony like, was it? Maybe it was. Uh, no, I don't think so. I, oh I think oh it, yeah, it was. Oh, it might even been Tito. Tito it was Tito. Yeah, it was Tito. He, yeah. he kind of slapped him on the ass, yeah. but like it's a tap, like you know. But there was no submission on, so the, everybody kind of knows that he's not. He's not submitting to a yeah. to a choke here or a submission. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, overall, though, like it was, it was such a <laughs> such an interesting fight. It was another one of those ones that like. It was an amazing fight, but felt like it. Do you know, sometimes the, the better fighter on the night loses. And I think that's kind of what happened here in this fight. And so it felt a little bit weird towards the end. And, it, you know, the, the commentary, and I don't blame him for it, but after the fight, they kept talking about how, you know, Glover was ahead in the scorecards. Glover would have won if it went to the, you know, went to the end and all. But the fight was finished. Like, don't, we talk about Chael Sonnen again. Don't go full Chael Sonnen against Andrew. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting for t- 24 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how MMA works. You know, it's not like fucking soccer or whatever. You know, it's uh, that's that's the way MMA is. And he got the finish and he won the fucking fight and fair play to him. He absolutely deserved it uh, at that point. But yeah, it was, um, it, w- it was an insane one altogether. It's the type of fight though. Who do you think would win the rematch? If it happened, oh, like it's hard to know because Proch kind of has experience now, the confidence of you know going going the distance in a in a title fight, his first title fight. Obviously, it's a it's a big moment. Gl- Glover's obviously had some main events and been around a long time and won the title. So maybe Proch be a little more comfortable, but you know, I think. Like obviously, it's hard to say somebody threw it away when they they did so much and overcame so much. But I do think in the fifth round, you know, that going for that guillotine was just a vital mistake from Glover. And I I, I think if he just, it's hard to say because so much changed. But I probably lean Glover in a, in a rematch. But I, I think it, it it could go either way. Either guy could get knocked out, or either guy could, could get submitted. To kind of like kind of like in this fight, but. Uh, yeah, I'd probably just edge Glover if it was to happen again quickly. 
Yeah, I, I'm honestly not sure. Like, I think, especially the two of us, we've talked about Glover so much. We, I think we know now not to rule, not to rule him out. I, I, I just feel like Prohachka didn't... I, I think Glover fight, fought as well as he can fight. And, you know, he wore, he was winning the fight, obviously, uh, doing that. But I feel like Prohachka has another level or maybe two levels on top of where he fought uh, in that fight. Um, and... I think someone mentioned it as well about him fighting, you know, buying closed doors and not fighting that much over the last while. And, you know, he'd only been his third UFC fight and obviously the, the mad crowd and uh, being over in Singapore and all that. Maybe that was a thing that kind of played against him mentally. And I definitely think mentally from the start to the fight, he didn't look as on it as he normally would. And maybe that's a thing that will change for the next fight. And, you know, Glover is... Is also forty-two years of age. There is yeah. a certain point where I he think part of that though is you know definitely there's there's the main event, the big show, the first time, and all that stuff. There must be there must be extra nerves, but I do think like you know the threat of the takedown and and how how 100%. much damage Glover can do from getting a takedown and and the threat on the feet as well. You know he he kind of didn't have a, a safety haven anywhere to to kind of be to, to kind of try and uh, force the fight to be so. Yeah, it's you know Glover's not getting any not getting any younger, and neither nobody's getting any younger. But if it was to happen again, it would probably for his for Glover's advantage, it would ha- it would have to be quick. But if it was you know if it was to happen again, it'd probably be a pick and fight. You know, if, if, I, I, like. So much happened in that fight that I, I really need to watch it again a, a few times. <laughs> we'll have to do a <laughs> to second really understand what happened. Well, a hot topic this week. You're doing it. You're doing it with Harry, aren't you? So you'll be able yeah, to talk about that a little bit. Maybe we'll get the rewatch in before that. Um, so yeah, let's run through the, the rest of the card here. And it was it was a bananas start to card. Even the first fight of the night, um, jo- Jocelyn Edwards against Ramona Pascal. Edwards ended up getting the nod there in that one. Uh, Pascal landed two beautiful body shots and then a big knee and a big head kick towards the end of the first round she was losing to take that but then Jocelyn Edwards uh, won the, the next two rounds um, she was just working the body all night with kicks and throwing these front kicks throwing these long teeps from both feet and legs that was the output with the kicks and yeah, the, I, I, yeah. Don't, I don't think I've ever seen someone throwing as many shots as that uh, but uh, you know a good performance from her a very odd sort of um you know, way to fight, but it was effective and it won her the fight, so good good job there. Then uh, Silviana gomez Waters got a beautiful, massive knockout over uh, Ni Liang. Absolutely put her uh, put her out of her senses uh, only 82 seconds I- into the first round, so it was a, that was a very good one. Uh, there was two unanimous decision wins then for um, uh, Kyoho Kang and Brendan Allen. Uh, Brendan Allen beating uh, Malkoon and Dana Batragal uh, losing to Kang there. Um, um, yeah, even even though Malku lost that fight, he looks like he has potential. You know, he gets the takedowns that he didn't really posture up and land any shots. And if if he had it, if he had it done that, he probably would have would have won that fight twenty nine twenty eight. So obviously that's only his what eight fight. He's six and two now. He, he'll probably improve with experience, but he, he does look to have a bit of uh, potential. Indeed, yeah, he's not a bad fighter. No, my my guy Harry uh, Powell was talking about him, so. Yeah, he, he does have potential. Uh, Mashate then, uh, was, I've been calling Misha Ted all night. Uh, <laughs> Misha hate. Very good knockout again over Steve Garcia, and he looked good. You know, it looks like uh, a guy coming through who could be uh, a prospect as well. When it obviously early in the first round moves to, to nine and one. So definitely uh, 
uh, you know, I, I was going to say a name to, to to remember, but it's a good name. You know, you'd you'd uh, you know he's like Seal or something. He's only one name. You you wouldn't forget it in, in a long time. So very good stuff there. Um, Josh Coolabout in one against Sung Woo Choi. That was a banger of a fight altogether. Maybe not the the best quality in the world. Remind me, I was talking to to Harry and Spencer of the the Shizano fight from last week or a couple of weeks ago. Great as well, Graham, to see Alan Philpot in the corner of, of Josh Coolabow and I know he's out in Australia and he's been training lads and doing different things, but good to see Alan out there, Graham. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for a second I was like, is, is that Philpot? And then it kind of zoomed in a bit. I'm like, that's definitely Philpot. <laughs> so yeah, it was a surprise to see him in the corner, but uh, yeah, to, it's good to see him uh, over there training kind of Hopefully, you know, I think Alan made a, a comeback recently, but it, I think he got submitted. But, um, you know, hopefully he can kind of get his career back on track. He's obviously, for he's for such a young guy, he's, he's a ridiculously long uh, uh, list of experience and been around for a long time. So, uh, yeah, it was good to see him in the corner and it was a good win for his teammate. And, you know, uh, the third round didn't, didn't go all his own way, but he kind of had it in the bag for the first two rounds. But, uh yeah, it was a good performance all round. Yeah, very good stuff and a, a very enjoyable fight there as well in uh, that one. Um, then we got to the to the bigger fights. So Jack Della Maddalena, what a performance here from him again. Yeah. Looks really good. Like I wasn't sure coming in. I I I watched. He looked him. like he was going to get submitted. Uh, yeah. uh, well, I don't know about a minute into the fight. Uh, MF, like you know, he's he's a bit stiff. But it, once he once he latched onto that choke, I thought, oh, this is bad news. But in fairness to uh, Della Madalena, he fought through and. That you know, obviously the liver punch was was absolutely lovely. It just crumpled him and finished the fight, and he, it was kind of a little bit of a delayed reaction. Obviously, uh, I've never been hit that hard in the body, but we've seen it before where where guys can kind of think they're all right for a second or two and then just crumble. And uh, yeah, it looks it looks really nice <laughs> as a, on the highlight reel as well. It really does. Yeah, yeah. It was either a Darce or an Anaconda. I never know which one it was, but almost uh, he, he got out of it very well. The way he moved out of it as well, he did. He did a great job of it. But those two liver shots. I think the first one. It was weird. It was like it kind of stunned the liver of it. In the second one, knocked out the liver. I thought it was weird. It was and it absolutely crumpled him. And uh, yeah, Telemadelina is one of those guys where. You, you look at the ability he has on the feet and think, well, if he can keep that fight on the feet, there aren't many guys who can uh, who can live with him. And I think he fought a, I think he fought a middleweight before. This was at 170, though. So there's some very, very interesting fights for him at that weight class. And, you know, maybe even a couple of guys in this card you know, who we'll be talking about in, in a second. But uh, a stunning performance from him again. Like, Imaev is the type of guy who, as we saw, he's very dangerous submissions. Uh, he's he can throw a big right hand down through the middle, and he's obviously very good wrestling as well, coming out of Dagestan. But maybe not that top top level. Um, but it, a, a for a guy with only what uh, 12, 13 fights coming in uh, here, to you know, with with not the, the biggest pro record, with with not the best record against, uh, he's never fought anyone good. Let, let's put it that way. To come in there and have such a test against someone like him, I have. It was a great win and a great performance and uh, onwards and upwards for Jack Della Maddalena and onwards and upwards too for Jake Matthews. What yeah. a fucking performance. It's it's kind of the performance we've been waiting for yeah. for about seven, eight years <laughs> from Jake Matthews. He, he's had the tools, but it just seems, I said it on the podcast before, it just seems like it all goes wrong or he, he zigs when he should have zagged or he puts his head somewhere he shouldn't have put it and gets submitted or it just doesn't seem to 
to click consistently for him. But in this fight, you know, against a good opponent who I thought was going to beat him, and I, and I thought would probably finish him, he just looked. He just looked like he, he kind of evolved into all the potential that is kind of. Um, everybody thought was there but maybe started losing faith in like I started losing faith in him like for a, for a few years there I'd, I'd pick him in every fight and he'd let me down and uh, like in this fight I was thinking um, you know this this is a bad style matchup but it just wasn't uh, Jake Matthews just he just looked really confident there. He looked really flowy. He just looked better everywhere and he he, he just put on the best performance of his career by a mile. A hundred percent. He was he was phenomenal, and I, I don't say that word lightly. This was a phenomenal performance, and people probably know how much I read Andre Fialo, a really good fighter, and I I still think he's a very good fighter. Maybe taking the f- uh, fight in short notice wasn't the best idea, and I, you know I'm going back on what I said in the preview show coming in because I thought it was a good idea, but hindsight is you know uh, what did Artem say, Graham? It's great to be. It's easy to be the general after the battle. I think it was Luka Jelkic. Was it? Was, okay, yeah, it's okay. easy to be the general after the battle. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed, but having said that, right? So what Andre Filo is, I always compare him to Conor McGregor. You know, he's a pressure counterfighter. He pressures you, and then he counters you. Jake Matthews wasn't biting on any of the pressure, and whenever Fialo struck, Jake Matthews just countered him and hurt him badly, time after time after time. Just styled on him with the strike, and was so much faster, was so much more powerful. Just look confident. I think John Anik said it uh, in the commentary that he went back and he watched some of his old fights and kind of believed in what he could do. And it looked like a guy who believed in himself. And before Jake Matthews was a guy who maybe was, you know, the, the, what, what do they call it? Um, uh, the, the, they overanalyze it and they, they, they're fucking, they're just kind of looking at themselves and they're waiting and, and they're yeah. overthinking everything. Yeah, and just... It, it it was the exact opposite of that tonight. And I, I said it during the week on, on the, the preview show as well. We were talking about Jake Matthews. And I, I said I wouldn't be surprised if he if he won this fight because Jake Matthews has so much potential. And he could have a career like someone. And I, I said this exact thing, like a Michael Bisping or someone like that, where it comes in. Like Bisping came in as a massive prospect to the UFC, 13, 14, 15 and 0 or something like that. And he lost a few fights. And maybe didn't you know go to the level of Matthews where he was maybe losing to guys on a certain level, but then he obviously came back. Like Matthews came in with this big hype, got pushed in there against good guys, ended up losing fights, but he still has that. And he's only twenty seven years of age or something like that. He is the type of guy who, if he can continuously put it together, he's a big, strong guy. He's fast, as we saw last night. He can hit hard. He's good wrestling, good all around. You know, he, he happened to meet a guy like Sean Brady, who probably has all of that as well, and a little bit better in his last fight. But if Jake Matthews puts the strike in that he looked to put in this fight with, you know, everything else, he's going to be a hard guy to beat for anyone in that division, never mind fucking Andre Filo or anyone else. I can't get over how good this performance was, Graham. What, what did you think of it? Yeah, and like it is absolutely brilliant. And confidence is such a huge thing in in sports and in in life in general. And you know uh, the the mental side of things. But like I don't know, I haven't heard much of Jake Matthews. I haven't heard anything about like you know the his mental approach to to fights. But it does it it, it does seem like there is some kind of as you said overthinking going on, or some kind of self doubt, or something going on in the past. 
this time it just looked like he was brimming with confidence and if he can continue to brim with confidence and continue to kind of believe in himself and let his game go then yeah he's he's a he's a handful for anybody and he's dangerous in in all positions and yeah the the potential that everybody kind of um talked about six seven years ago or however long it was, was ago when he came to the ufc it all seems to have clicked there like you know i'd like to see it again in another fighter uh, another fighter two consistently before we kind of start talking about him as a title contender but you know if he can continue like this and you know that's that's the next step that's going to be there if, if he if he can do it so i'm definitely more interested in his next fight than than i have I'm more interested in watching him in his next fight than i have been in a long time watching him 100 i just see here in the card next week tim means is fighting kevin holland i wouldn't mind seeing the winner of that fight in jake matthews next i think that'd you know be a, a potentially good matchup but uh yeah very impressed with with, uh, with jake matchups matthews even uh so let's talk about next week. It's a fucking great card next week. But there's a lot of fights on it. Um, starting off with Kyle Dawkins against Roman Delidze. Darren Wynn, uh, Daron Wynn even, against Phil Hawes. That's a very interesting fight. Eddie Wineland is back, Ram. Jeez, I haven't seen Eddie Wineland in a while. He's fighting Cody Stamen, Mary Oliveira against Gloria De Paula. Uh, you know, we've Court McGee on the card. Uh, we've Tony Kelly, Jesus, after only playing for Claire last week. He's great to, to be back here. He's fighting Adrian Yanez. Um... There's some really good talent on this. As I mentioned, Kevin Holland versus Means. And in the top two fights, Joel Ozan versus Donald Cerrone and Josh Emmett against uh, Calvin Cater. Obviously, we'll have a full breakdown of that in the preview show this week. But quickly, Graham, on Calvin Cater against Josh Emmett. It's a, it's a very interesting fight for that 145-pound division because, look, Max Holloway is fighting... Um, against the, the champion Volkanovski coming up here in, in a few uh, weeks or months or whenever it is. If Volkanovski wins that, someone will have to be next in line. And, you know, it looks... I, I, I thought, and a lot of people thought it'd probably be Arnold Allen, and he called out Calvin Cater, and we're thinking, okay, if he fights Cater and beats him, he'll definitely be the next in line. But now the fact that these two lads have kind of got a jump on him, and, you know, they're... The UFC kind of likes both of these lads. One of these lads could be that next in line. Now, having said that, if Max Holloway wins, they'll probably all be waiting two and a half years because we probably another two rematches to go after that if that, <laughs> yeah. if that does happen. But Cater versus Emmett Graham, what, what tell us about that one? Yeah, this is this is a hard fight to pick. This is a hard fight to know which way it's going to go. I think both guys are, are massively underrated and have a lot have a lot of a lot of tools for uh, potentially winning for them here. You know, obviously when uh, Calvin Guitar went in against Max Holloway and kind of got schooled, everybody kind of wrote him off a little bit, but he, he came in there against Gig in his last fight. He looked, he looked great. And if you look at his losses uh, before that, it's um, Magomad Sharapov uh, and uh, Maya Kanu. Uh, and you have to go back to 2010, 2008 for his last losses. Uh, so so he has some good wins there and, and Emmett Emmett the same like uh, you know uh, he's been on a good streak he's beat Bektich and Shane Burgos and uh, Dan Ike so I think both you know both have to maybe if it goes to a decision and one wins one or the other wins a close decision it might not catapult him into the, into the title shot but if one can go out there and get a you know a strong finish or uh, some highlight finish then they could uh, catapult themselves into the, into the into the kind of title picture, but it kind of all just depends on Max Holloway. You know, are they going to put the if Qatar uh, Calvin Qatar wins? Are they uh, are they going to put him back in there with Max Holloway after the way it went the first the first time, which was only what a year and a half ago? So yeah, um, 
I don't know which which way this fight is going to go and how it's going to look. Um, I'd probably go with Calvin just about, but it's a tough one. It's it's really tough one to pick, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking to myself there is like Josh Emmett probably needs the the knockout to win lots of these big fights in this division. And I look his last two fights. Okay, it's it's Burgess and Ige who are good fighters, but he's got won the unanimous decision over both of them. You know, it's actually 2019 where he got that big knockout over uh, Bektish and obviously yeah, knocked out. Uh, doesn't seem like that long. Johnson as well. Yeah. It, I don't know why, but I just, in my brain, I'm just thinking, oh, Calvin or uh, Josh Emmett has this big knockout streak, but it seemingly doesn't. But uh, yeah. Uh, do you know what? I, I need to go back and watch more of Emmett because I, I feel like I criminally underrate him at times. And I, like my, my pick here is I probably. I think everybody Calvin. does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think he's one of them. He's just kind of unassuming, kind of. Yeah. Doesn't look unique in any way, really. Just kind of average-looking guy, getting his work done, not really saying too much. And, you know, people don't really pay attention, and it, it can happen. But, you know... Uh, I'll change yeah, that I, this week, though, I promise. I, I'll go back and I'll <laughs> watch him, and we'll be ready for the preview this week. But, yeah, it's a, look, it's a very interesting fight, and I, I think it's going to be a, a stand-up battle, to be honest here, because uh, I think Emmett probably more likely, more likely to take it to the ground, but still caters good takedown defense and all of that. So, yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a banger either way. Throwing lows on Graham, it feels like maybe they're about a little bit over the over the hill here. I would, uh, you know, Cerrone cutting, cutting down to one fifty five. It might be an issue again because he's kind of struggled over the last few years, but still, he probably has the size and all over Lozan. Um, I don't know who uh, you, know, you could never really trust Cerrone to win a fight, and especially if he's kind of head is out the game. It was supposed to happen a couple of weeks ago as well, and he's not the best with adversity and things like that. I don't know. I probably would have picked Cerrone first, probably leading Lozan now. Maybe I don't know. What, what do you? What way do you think that one will go? Uh, I'd probably lean Cerrone. Uh, just about, but with Cerrone, it's just hard, so hard to know which which Cerrone's going to show up. I don't think this is like a a huge fight where he's got like a lot to kind of to fear in terms of you know a Conor McGregor or or a Pettis or whatever, where he he kind of went out there and just got destroyed. Um, I think if he could feel his way into the fight, he'd be okay. He's obviously a historically a really slow starter, Cerrone, but I don't think that uh, Lozon's this lightning quick starter that's going to it's going to cause him too much problems. So I think I'd probably go with Cerrone. But yeah, I, I, I'm kind of glad he's fighting Joe Lozon and, you know, not going in there as a kind of just to prop up some, some up and comer and just get destroyed. So, uh, yeah. Um, we'll be talking that, about, though, I'm uh, not too interested in the fight either way. Oh uh, yeah. We'll be talking about another MMA retirement next week when Cerrone fake retires. He's one. Yeah, and then he's back three weeks defend. later when somebody pulls out. Yeah, oh, he'll, de- he'll never retire a hundred percent. But anyway, um, last thing here, PFL four next week as well. They're back with their card. It's actually a pretty good card. I have a breakdown of this coming over on Shardog, but one guy, shoe face, uh, yeah, shoe face One guy I'll tell people to, to watch out for, uh, Josh Silvera. And if you know the name Silvera, it's because he's Conan Silvera's son, the ATT coach. He's eight and all. 
I haven't. I went back and watched some of his fights. He looks like a guy who's been like an NCAA wrestler, and he's really good jujitsu. He's fighting Martin Hamlet. Who, if anyone knows him, he's a really good wrestler as well. So that could be an absolute fucking battle. And uh, Silvera looks like the type of guy who could climb those ranks very, very quickly. So that's a that's a fun fight there. Uh, Rob Wilkinson's fighting Pesta. Pesta got knocked out not too long ago against Amari Akhmadov. So that quick turnaround is a bit a bit iffy there. But uh, I think Wilkinson will probably try to take him down and eat early as well with the former two-time ta- uh, champion Nathan Schultz rematching Martin Held Held beat him the last time and ended his long uh, unbeaten run Ahmedov is back on the card uh, Haush Mefeo is fighting Olivier Orban Mercier that'll probably be a close decision um, Brucey Soto is not the best fighter in the world and he's fighting shoe face as you mentioned Graham Antonio Carlos Jr I'd be very surprised if he didn't win that probably early here uh, Clay Collard in the main event then against Alexander Martinez this is going to be a fucking unbelievable fight. Collard, a really good boxer, obviously went and fought in or uh, partook in some boxing bouts over the pandemic and did very, very well. Uh, Martinez, more of like a languid striker from the outside with his hands down and throws these wheel kicks and big punches from the outside. So that has banger written all over it. But the fight we want to concentrate on here, Graham, Jeremy Stevens versus Miles Price. Miles Price uh, yeah. yeah, I spoke to Miles the other day. That'll be coming out this week on, on Sherdog. And, you know, he's seen confident coming in here going quick turnaround after three years out of the cage between his, his last fight and obviously the Pettis fight that Pettis fight obviously went badly for him and he, he really he admitted that you know to me it's not like he couldn't admit it but he was very very smart in the way he spoke about that so I think he, he you know he told me he kind of he got a week to kind of get over it in his head and in the quick turnaround is good that you no longer have to think about that it's been uh, put into a compartment left there and now you're moving on to fight Jeremy Stevens. but Jeremy Stevens a very tough matchup for, as well Graham you know okay he did get taken down and submitted by Gamrat early two fights ago and he you know got into a, a big war with Clay Collard only a few weeks ago which would work against him but it's you know Jeremy Stevens not the easiest in the world to take down throughout the years good striker as well it's only you know the likes of Aldo and people have beat him but he doesn't he doesn't necessarily get beaten by anyone you know but so a tough matchup for, for Miles Price how would you how would you break down this one yeah yeah, it's another tough matchup but there is definitely a method of victory here you know Jeremy Stevens' takedown defence is good but it's it's not brilliant and he does overcommit on shots so if Miles can, can time it well and uh, get on top and make it dirty and difficult for Jeremy Stevens. Uh, obviously, you mentioned he's coming off a kind of tough fight there. What only only less than less than two months ago, very recently against Clay Collard. Anyway, um, so uh, yeah, uh, I think I think Miles really needs to to make it dirty early and start from there. And if he if he does that, I can I can see him um, grinding it out. But uh, if he if he lets Jeremy Stevens kind of land early, it could uh, get a striking going early. He probably land, and it, it could be bad news. But uh, for Miles, I'm sure the the game plan will be to to, to go to the wrestling, and it, it's just a matter of can he can he get him down, and if he can get him down, can he hold him down? And I think if he does get him down, I think he can hold him down. And uh, for the most part, obviously uh, earlier earlier it's going to be harder, but as the rounds go on, I I can see that becoming a becoming the route route to victory for Miles if he is to win. But uh, I expect Jeremy Stevens to be sizable betting favorite here, but there might be some value on the the, the Miles decision. 
Uh, yeah, I think Miles needs a confidence booster early. I think he needs a takedown or he needs to gain some respect from Stevens when he's striking. Now, people forget as well, Miles started out as a striker and okay, he went over to Habib and he was kind of saying that to me as well. Uh, he kind of became a wrestler, but he, he can strike as well. And I, I just think he needs to gain that bit of confidence because if Jeremy Stevens comes out and he wins, you know, the first minute, second minute, third minute, it could be a little bit overwhelming again and you know it's if it turns into kind of a very aggressive fight from Stevens after Miles being out for so long and after the Pettis fight that could turn against him but if he finds and it's a big if because Jeremy Stevens is is a I don't think it's the greatest matchup in the world for Miles honestly if if Stevens doesn't give him that second to kind of think or that that pause to kind of uh, you know Gain a bit of confidence. I, I think it, it could be a tough night for Miles, but look, hopefully he does get that and hopefully it does turn into a, a good uh, a good back and forth dogfight and, and Miles can uh, can make a good showing here. And, uh, you know, it'd it, it be, be a big one if he could. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It should be fun fighting. It's, do you know what? Up and down, it's, it's a very, very good card. And there's lots of, you know, lots of PFL, lots of Bellator, lots of Cage Warriors and stuff coming over the next few weeks. So looking forward to uh, talking about all of that as well as uh, the UFC and everything else like that. Right, we will leave it there that's the end of the podcast head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe med podcast i will have the q a out on tuesday morning if you've any questions i'll probably be recording it monday night fire the questions over there there's a tab up there you can get the re uh, the rewatch you know we we do it uh, every few weeks but uh we have at least three podcasts every week we have our bets for the week every week up on Patreon. It only costs a fiver a month, so you get, what, 20 podcasts, more even, and plus this one every month, so at least 24, 25, uh, and the post as well for a fiver a month. And it's only four fifty euro, I think. It's absolutely nothing. Patreon.com forward slash severe podcast. Or if you go to severemma.com forward slash points, it's only the price of a pint every month. So sign up there. Speakers Corner every Thursday slash Friday. The best podcast in MMA. I'm gonna say it here. Speakers Corner is fucking unbelievable. You've one man boot. Ian O'Neill doing great stuff and all the lads as well over there. So yeah. Patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. We will leave it there, Graham. Put us out here with a quote for the week. All right. You look so tired and happy. Bring down the government. They don't. They don't speak for us. Okay.